What's up, what's up? This is another episode of the We Could Be Wrong podcast, episode Episode four. four. Another week of sports, another week of um, good topics. Uh, First first is a good one. Finally, we get a W for for the Dallas Cowboys. This had to be a dub. It had to be. It was a must win. There was no ands, ifs, or buts about this one. It definitely will have to be a win for the Dallas Cowboys coming off a loss, and um, that yeah. was that was a bittersweet uh, loss. That was a that was a tough team though. Yeah, but you should me I, me personally, I never think we should lose to uh, to Kirk Cousins. Uh, I don't think we lost to Kirk Cousins. I, th- I think we lost to his running back. That's a fact. I think his running back did most of the damage for them. But this is a new week, new. New uh, new team to look ahead for, and we the Cowboys beat the Lions thirty five twenty seven. Uh, one thing, or one of the main that's a constant uh, talking point with the Cowboys is the slow start again, time and time again. And as a matter of fact, I was looking at uh, first things first. Uh, well, I see them every. I listen to them religiously. Um, and I've heard them speak about the Cowboys multiple times, and you know that they they've said that um, they have a coach that comes on the show, and he says that the slow start is is actually like one of those, it's actually a a, a real thing that people f- uh, uh, struggle with. Either you start slow or you start slow coming in the second half. And there's people that have brought in psychologists and all kinds of crazy stuff that uh, this is not out of the ordinary and it's not uh, it's considered somewhat normal in in the NFL. So the Cowboys, we have that we have that the tendency to start slow, and that's a big problem. And again, first play, first first play of the game, first play of the game, typical Cowboys. You would give it to Zeke, handoff, and boom, fumble. Sauce. Fumble and and turnover, turnover, and that's a great way to start the game. Uh, uh, they're, they're they're becoming known for that. They're they're becoming known to give away turnovers. Yeah, I mean Dak had one giving uh, away previously. the lead, giving away the lead for that sure. early. Um, digging digging the hole early yeah. in the game yeah. and using the back half of the game to try to dig yourself out of it. So time and time again, we become uh. We come up short. Uh, yeah, I think Zeke did horrible. Did I think a little bit worse than last week on his running game? He he had forty five yards. Zeke. Yeah. Yeah, he had forty five yards with sixteen carries. He averaged two point eight yards per carry. Two receptions for twenty eight yards. He had a fumble. The only good thing is that he had a touchdown. Yeah. He had a touchdown, and you know the better thing. He had to redeem himself. You know the uh, the one. Uh, the other thing besides his touchdown that was better than the touchdown, the celebration. Oh yeah, that was that was actually he hit that deck. Yeah, had to hit it. Um, <laughs> trending topic: Dak's uh, startup starting routine, his uh, warming yeah. up movement or whatever that was. What is that salsa? Uh, Merengue. They made it everything and anything oh, this okay. this week. It was everywhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he the 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 run game wasn't as effective for us. Uh, it hasn't been effective for us this season. Um, um, they time and time, you know, you gotta be, you have to give Zeke the ball. I mean, when you have a, in my opinion, the best running back in the in the in the game, and and you have to be able to use them. 
Um, you start off the game, you feed them, and you kill the clock. You try to get the most uh, possession time. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Some I want to say um, it doesn't work because they have him covered. Whenever you see Pollard in there. Pollard? Pollard. He, but at the same time, when they get Zeke, this is this is the uh, the one thing that I've heard uh, analysts say. When when you talk about the Cowboys, the the number one, this is their opinion, not mine. They say the best player is Zeke. So what do they do? They load the box and they don't let Zeke go anywhere. They don't let him go anywhere, and they say if Dak can beat us, we'll take that. We'll take that because we don't uh, we don't believe he can beat us with his arm. And if he does then that's harder for them to do than for us to defend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, stop Zeke. Do not let him do anything. Zeke, 45 yards, he pretty limited. Yeah. But they also say there's also a narrative out there saying that there's um, that Dak cannot win without Zeke uh, going over 150, 100, over 100 yards. So if Zeke has 100 yards, nine times, uh, nine times out of ten, Dak played good. Yeah. And they win. This this game, Zeke only had 45 yards. Dak was 29 for 46. 444 yards. Yes, sir. No interceptions. No Dak interceptions. Boy showed out. He had, uh, he threw, he averaged 9.7 yards per throw. Three touchdowns. He took a sack. Not too bad. Six carries for 18 yards. 82 QBR. From zero to hundred, again, uh, yeah, eighty-two. I give him respect, dude. He 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 showed out. Not only did he showed out, Michael Gallup showed out. Nine oh, receptions no. for a hundred, hundred forty-eight yards, average sixteen yards per catch. He was doing his thing yeah, out he, there. He was the star last night, yesterday. But not only was he good, Tony Pollard was doing his thing. Oh yeah, Tony Pollard. Uh, the one difference between him and Zeke, uh, I feel like he's a better pass catcher. Uh, Zeke, when they when you t- try to throw him the ball and it, his his hands are questionable uh, when trying to catch the ball, but Pollard he's much better uh, when he when he gets the ball thrown to him and he can get some yards after his explosion, his his way to maneuver and uh, bounce off the tackles and try to get uh, try to get uh, off the 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 blocker and and trying to get some extra yards. He's he's really good at that. Um, but time and time again, still cannot stop the run. The yeah. Cowboys defense was. I think that's that's been a factor. It wasn't good at all. Um, Jeff Driscoll, you heard of Jeff Driscoll, bro? Man, he. I don't know if he was the the quarterback or the running back. He was doing his thing. He. He was doing his thing. He. Was 15 for 26, 209 yards, two TDs, averaged eight yards per attempt. He took three sacks. He had a 60-point QBR. He was doing majority of the rushing. Yeah. When when he didn't have anybody, he, he used his legs. Uh, Detroit ran. He, they had 28 carries for 121 yards. Um, there was They had 15 receptions for 209 yards. Averaged 13 yards per attempt, two TDs. On paper, it doesn't look as... Uh, it's bad, but on the field they look very bad. Oh yeah. Just the eye test alone, you look at the you look at the game and it's it's 
typical Cowboys. Every time you, you they can't stop the run. They can't stop it. And any team that we come across you know, has a, a dangerous running back, we have problems. We have problems every single time. And for some reason, uh, they cannot stop it. Even though they know coming into the game and you know they have a solid running back, that should be your focal point right yeah. there. Boom. Because they have a solid running back, and we got to stop them. Yeah. All these missed tackles, uh, misreads, it's got to stop. It's got to come to an end because we're not winning games like that. Especially coming into this back half of the of the schedule, it only gets harder. The, the schedule doesn't get easier for us. Uh... Unfortunate for our, well, fortunate for our opponents and our biggest competition, which is the Eagles, their schedule gets easier after yesterday's loss to the Patriots. Next week is going to be a tough one. Do you really think? What do you think? You think you we don't stand a chance or I just you know, give them? I just know it's all experience over there, bro. That is a it fact. It don't matter who's, it's all experience. I don't, it don't matter how long they've been again, how old they are. It don't matter if we have younger talent. One thing that I saw yesterday, I don't know if you watched the Patriots-Eagles game, Brady didn't look so good. Brady didn't look he, good at all. He hasn't looked that good in a while. Brady. Brady. He hasn't looked that good at all. But they're continuously winning. Yeah, they, they find a way to win. I give you that. They find a way to win. Not only does the Patriots have a, uh, uh, well, they don't have a solid running back. Um, well, let me take that back. They don't have a solid run game. Uh, Sonny Michelle is good. He's a good running back, but this year he's having an off year. Um, but the way we're defending and the way Bill Belichick is, he'd probably be like, Michelle, take this. Run it through him. They're not going to stop it. Because one thing we know, Tom Brady's not going to run like Driscoll did yesterday. Yeah. He's not running anywhere. Um, so... They probably give him the ball. Julian Edelman has to be stopped. They have to be able to put uh, at least a linebacker there, safety, to try to uh, stop him. Because to me, I think that's one of Brady's, if not Brady's favorite target, Julian Edelman. So to me, being a Cowboy fan, I still believe the Cowboys can do it. One thing that kind of I hope they do is a little temp, uh, not tempting, but that I'm a little concerned is that defense. Because the Patriots do have a good defense. They have a good defense. And if Dak is playing the way he's playing right now, if he continues to play this way, um, he we, we stand a chance. Me personally, as long as you have the number four for the Cowboys, it's time to put the cape on again. Yeah. Because that's what he's been doing all season. All season long. Been doing it for the, for the Cowboys this whole time. Guy needs to get paid, in my opinion. Must no, get definitely. He, I think he's earned it this season. Showing up. He's been doing his job. He's been consistent. Very consistent. So yeah. he's been doing his thing. Um, we have the Patriots next week. Next Sunday, I believe the game is at 3.30 at uh, Gillette Stadium. Yeah. Ooh. I still give it to Dallas. Pull the upset against the Patriots. Say what you may. I just believe in I'm Dak. I'm going to put some money on the Cowboys because that's going to be a big payout. That's the only reason. That but is, I'm still scared. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm scared. I'm just concerned. There's a difference. We're facing a 9-1 team, bro. Yeah, that is true. But 
Do I trust the Cowboys? Not so much. Do I trust Dak? Yes, I do. I trust him. The reason why I'm taking him is because of him. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he is he's playing lights the, out. But the defense has they they did they did some good plays yesterday. Yeah, they had some, but they had more missed tackles, and more than anything. Oh, they've been doing that all year. Yeah, but you would think they haven't, after, been, they haven't been quick and they haven't been tackling. I w- I would think after a certain amount of games, you would start to pick up momentum, and they have it. At this point, you are what you are. So, and with the defensive genius coming in uh, against us, uh, you got to plan twice, three times, no days off, because this is not only is this a big game. But it's also a big win if we actually pull it off. You know what I mean? You pull it off against one of the one of or if not the favorites to go back to the Super Bowl again, and you make that statement. Not right. only do you put yourself to under uh, uh, keep keep the lead within your your rival, but it puts them in, on notice. Um, Coming into their second game because you know we have to visit Philly still one more time. Who do you think they have as competition? What do you mean? To, to, uh, to keep them away from being in the, in the Super Bowl again. You mean uh, in the AFC? The Patriots? Yeah. Um, Baltimore for sure. With uh, Lamar Jackson playing lights out. I think that's it. Kansas City. Uh, they're not the best. Kansas but City hasn't been. No, they haven't been the same, but you got to think about it. Mahomes was out. I mean, he did lose like about two games, three games uh, at home. Um, but Mahomes, he's... No, he's solid. He's solid. So, you know, they still got them out there. Um, I'm missing another team on that side. Um, yeah, to be honest, I think it might just be them. Yeah, I think just the Ravens... It's the Ravens. I mean, you would want to. No, you can't. But the Ravens, the Ravens are for real, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Ravens are solid. Yeah, the Ravens are for real. So that's just about it. You got to go through them. And they've beat them once already. So you never know what what could happen. But as far as us goes, we just got to be able to get these dubs and try to make it to the playoffs. That's goal number one. That's goal number one. And we took a step in the right direction by beating Detroit. One thing that was mentioned also is that they say the Cowboys haven't beat a winning record, a team with a winning record. Every team that they've beaten, every single team is is yeah. they're not winning. There's they're not a winning team. Yeah, the Lions was what three and six. Now you got they're New England. They're three and six now. Yeah. So New England has to come in, and they're probably the 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 only winning team right now. Playoffs are gonna be tough for us. Um, because you know, well, the eight, the the NFC is always the tougher conference, for sure. You got the most ta- talented and, and stronger teams on that side, so it's definitely going to be tough. But you know, once you get the playoffs, it's anything can happen. Last year we went and we beat Seattle in the first round, so um, anything can happen. And Dak has won playoff games before, so. They, All right, bro. I'm gonna I'm have faith on you, bro. You yeah. you had you had me. Uh, you won me over on Dak. I'm gonna say no. That. I didn't win you over. He did. 
No, well, you, he kept you, doing. You, you sold them to me at the beginning of the season. They won three games, and I want to say it was, uh, well, yeah, it he, was it was because of the bad teams. He just kept doing what he's and been then doing. He's been doing his thing nonstop. So I was like, I'm just telling you what I've been seeing. Now he's just showing you what I've been seeing. Yeah. So yeah, you got to give him his just dues. People might not want to give it to him. Still to this day, you know, like I said, I'll say it once and I'll say it again. Dak is the most unappreciated, over-criticized quarterback in the league. That's just me, and I believe that wholeheartedly. He is. Okay, All bro. Right. All right, well, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Mavs and the Knicks. Mavs. For, for, for some reason, they, they can't beat the Knicks. Well, that is a fact. That This was their second game. Porzingis is homecoming. Back to Madison Square Garden. And, you know, what's crazy is that uh, Fox usually has the rights to Maverick games. But due to the magnitude of this game and Chris has going back to New York, um, this game was on, uh, I think it was on ESPN, if I'm not mistaken. And wasn't nothing too shocking, you know, for Chris Tapps. The the ovation or the the welcoming. Yeah, that's that's the word that I meant to say. Of Chris Tapps back in New York, but New Yorkers can't be mad at Chris Tapps. They are New York horrible are- organization. They're horrible. New Yorkers are New Yorkers. Yeah, they're bro. all over the place. So you know, when you bring in a talent like that, you boo him when you draft him, and now he. Balls out for you, and he sees what's going on in that organization, leaves, gets hurt, leaves, and now he comes here, misses a season, a whole season for us, now goes back to New York and gets booed out of this, out of the stadium, out of the stadium, out of the arena, and and I've been a big Chris Tapp, well, a Porzingis critic, you know what I mean? I've been... Uh, I've been keeping my eye on him just due to the fact that I've seen what he can do. I know what he's capable of, and I haven't seen it yet with for the Mavericks. I mean, I know what he, I know what he did for New York, but you're not in New York anymore. You're you're in Dallas, and you have a like this young kid in Doncic that you have at your disposal. You should be feeding off of him and and distributing the ball. If you're not a hundred percent, you should be able to at least get us some blocks, rebounds. Um, and for the first couple of games, he hadn't been doing that. I think before they faced the Knicks, they faced Boston on Monday, and he walked out with four points in the whole game. Four points? Come on, bro. That's not good. But I give it to him. Came in. I guess he had extra motivation coming into this game, coming back to New York. Uh he gave us 20 points, 11 rebounds, one assist, three blocks. Three blocks, bro, finally. Bro. Gave us some blocks. That's what we need from him. A seven-foot, a seven-foot, three-inch tall uh, Latvia giant can't give you a block in, like, three games? Come on, bro. Something's not right. I mean, I get it. He's coming no. off an injury. I'm getting, you have to understand. A new team... That is that is coming fact. off an injury. You don't know what mental health he's at right now. Yeah, I I I I'll take that. I give so you that. So I want to say just be patient with him. He is he's definitely talented. He's definitely a big guy. 
Yeah. So just be patient with him. And I'm pretty sure he's going to come in through later on in the season when we're going to need him. Yeah, that I mean, I I hope so. I hope he does. I hope he does. Because, I, because for for the meantime, Luca has been grinding. Bro, he has been absolutely balling. Yeah, balling. So, I mean, don't get don't get distracted by all the numbers that you see. The thirty three points, the ten rebounds, the eleven assists that he had on this game. He had a triple double, but his turnover rate is extreme, bro. Lucas is. His turnover rate is ridiculous. He has too many turnovers for me, for my personal liking. Yeah, you're you're you showing all these flashes. You're taking very and unnecessary threes. He was three for twelve. That's bad. Very bad. You're putting us in a position and in a hole where we don't need to be. Keep us in the game. You know? He from the line, he was ten for thirteen. Drive it in the paint. Trust your teammates. Eleven assists. That's what we need from him. His assist uh, percentage and numbers have to be at least double digits every game, I believe. If you're going to be the point, if you're playing point, you got to be able to distribute the ball enough times for your teammates to get a, a rhythm, get a rhythm going. Because if you're taking all the shots and you're doing everything, they're just standing in the corner cold. They're never getting a shot off. They're not getting, uh, they need to be finding you just as much as you're finding them. That's how you get the the ball rolling. You know, the bench scored 29 points. That's that's decent enough. You need to get you need to get your teammates involved because if you don't it's it it ends up biting you in the ass. Yeah, how do you think they did against Toronto? Against Toronto? To me, going against Toronto, the the champs, the defending champs I like, well, one, you got to give it to them. Uh, Kyle Iyer wasn't playing. Yeah. Kyle Iyer wasn't playing, but they had Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam has been a beast for them, and I think they did pretty well. Like I said, Chris Stapps Porzingis, every game I'm going to be looking at this dude and seeing what he's going to be doing. I was looking at him. He is his uh, whole, I want to say his attitude, but his body language said a lot to me. Um, he looked a little bit more confident. His his uh, he he had a little more more poise uh, when he was around his teammates. Like they they were like feeding him the ball and and getting him involved and, and hyping him up and sh- letting him know, bro, you're you're seven three. You should be dominating dudes out here. You shouldn't be letting anybody in the paint. You said you were one of the best shot blockers in the league. We got you got to show us that. He gave you 20 points again. 15 rebounds. That's what I'm talking about. Give us the opportunity to get the ball back and make something happen. He gave us a block. Okay, one block. That's cool. I, I want a little bit more. At least five. That's what I'm saying. Just give him some time. Let him get in the groove. He had one turnover, which is not bad. He's not a big turnover guy. You know what I'm saying? He was horrible from the three-point line. He, had, he was one for seven. But a lot of his points came more in the paint. He uh, he was 7 for 20 from the field. Wasn't so good, but, you know, he got it going. 5 for 6 from the free throw line. He's a good free throw shooter. So as long as he gets in the paint and gets fouled, gets to the line, 9 times out of 10, he's going to give you some field goal. I mean, some free throws and make them. Luca, you know what Luca is already by now. 26 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists. He's just a young guy making his way out uh, up. 
into the best, into the upper echelon of the NBA. Everybody's noticing. He's putting the league on notice. But I need him to get these turnovers down. Seven turnovers in this game. But I won't say as soon as he starts getting a lot more help from Porzingis, I won't say he's going to feel more confident and not carrying all the weight. Um, so I'm hoping that that's how the ball turns as the season progresses. I hope those turnovers do go down. Yeah, the turnovers definitely need to be going down. Um, they had uh, We had more blocks than they did. We had uh, four blocks in total, Mavericks. Uh, the Raptors had two blocks. We, we stole the ball about the same time, but we had more rebounds than them. So we out-rebounded them. Which was good, you know what I mean. You need to out rebound your your opposition. That way, you give create you create chances and opportunities for you to create scoring opportunities. Um, the Mavericks beat Toronto one ten one to one hundred and two, which is very good. You know what I mean. They they're getting on a roll uh, of picking up the wins because you once you create a winning environment in the locker room. The expectation to win and the want to win is constantly there. You're, you're winning. You keep winning. You keep winning, and, and you want to keep that going. Obviously, that's the ultimate goal in every, within every team, every organization. But this team, as uh, as young as they are, with the young talent that they have, I think they believe in themselves now that they can make a run. Especially the way the league is looking, Warriors out of the picture. Um, uh, certain teams not playing as well as we projected them to play, they have a chance to be able to get to them playoffs that we haven't seen in God knows how long, man. It's been too long for the since the Mavericks have been in the playoffs. Not only that, but I think it's been so long that a lot of people forget that the Mavericks play. You know what I mean? Every yeah. time the Mavericks play, it's like nothing's going on. Like, I don't understand how you can have a basketball team here in your own city and and not even acknowledge that they're playing. You're so focused on on the bigger teams, the other teams, the West Coast teams, everybody that uh, has the a real chance to make the playoffs when we really should be getting behind our own home team and pushing them and motivating them and, and making this um, – not only a, a football town, but a basketball town. Every time that they are playing, they should feel that they have the, the city behind them. That just makes the whole experience that much better. And I feel like uh, this year with with Porzingis and uh, Luca, it's been it's it's going towards that way. I don't know if you. Uh, I, I don't think I've mentioned it here, but last year when Luca got there, man, our court looked like a YMCA. Cause it was bad. The, the The court looks ridiculous old, ridiculously old. Now, it's it's a little bit more modernized. They did some maintenance to it. They have the the, the blue and the paint looks a little darker. Looks more new. It looks more uh, attractive. You know what I mean? They even also got the skyline on the on the on the floor on the on the on the wood floor. So, I. The way things are going, the way the Mavericks, if the Mavericks end up making the playoffs, which I believe they would, and that just gets us more money to renovate the arena. The arena's been there for years. I think there needs to be some some uh, upgrades, some 
some modifications to everything in there and just make it a not only a a, a go-to or a destination for for people that want to come see a game but um a, a good experience you know right now it's just an arena it's just an arena that you go see a game and you enjoy the game but sometimes people want to go to a place where it's more than just that you know what i mean they want to leave with that with that memory of what it's like to go see a, a Dallas Mavericks basketball game. So, overall, the Mavericks are doing pretty good. They played tonight. They play um, the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs, I believe, they're on a five-game losing streak. And our, the odds are in our favor. Big, uh, You know, that's a known rivalry uh, between the Mavericks and San Antonio. And if I'm not mistaken, and I if I believe we have the better talented team. Oh yeah, definitely. For me, I I think just we have the best player within both teams, which is Luka Doncic. Yeah. So I believe we would take the take the win, and it's good. We're playing here at home, so um, it's just as long as we keep them turnovers down and have a decent uh, contribution from our bench players, I our outcome should be good. Should just be good just as long as they do that, Chris Stapps, I'm. I keep an eye on you, my boy. Yeah. Keep an eye on you. Just, just. Like a hawk. It, All right. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. All right. You watch that OU Baylor game? Oh, man. Say, man. Let me tell you something. I've been watching college football this whole season. And, and I think thus far the best game that I've seen is LSU Alabama. Shootout. It was mm. just a crazy game. But this OU Baylor game. Say man, this was a game. A game. See, I'm not a big. I'm a Texas fan. Yeah. yeah. So I just appreciate uh, good football and and um, odds. Uh, the the story behind the game. Uh, you had a nine and zero Baylor undefeated um, going up against Oklahoma, which was an eight and one team. They were they're a constant uh, soap opera, in my opinion, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, they're trying to get into the playoffs, into the college football playoffs. A lot of people say they're done because, like I said, I explained it last week. Uh, somewhat I broke it down a little bit of what a loss means to your record in college. And they lost to Kansas. Kansas has lost to Texas, to West Virginia. So it's making that loss that loss look even even more. It makes it look even worse than uh, – it's oh. just a bad loss. Yeah. To just – be straightforward. It's just a bad loss. And Baylor, you know, Baylor hasn't been up there like that in years. I want to say that Baylor hasn't been this good in, in, since the last time they were this good. I think RG3 was their quarterback. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So, you know, Baylor coming into the game um, were favorites, I believe, just be, just because of their undefeated record. They were playing in Waco at their own home stadium. Uh but the difference to me in my eyes in this game between Baylor and Oklahoma, not only did Baylor have home field and an undefeated, unblemished record, but what they didn't have is Jalen Hurts on their side. One thing about Jalen Hurts, a quick backstory on him, he played for Alabama for three years. Yeah, he played for three years with Alabama, won a national championship with them, um, went to a national championship his sophomore year, got benched, 
in the championship game by Tua Tagovailoa. His junior year, he lost his job to Tua. He stayed there. He grinded it out. People, a lot of um, rumors and and storylines going. Or what is he gonna do? Is he gonna stay there? How are you gonna bench uh, a a championship a championship uh, le- elite quarterback? And he's going to stay there. You know, he played his role. He played the backup. He came in a big game against Georgia, pulled it off. And, and he didn't mind playing second fiddle to, to Tua because he was much better than him. He felt like he lost the job to a better quarterback. That's what he had in his head. It wasn't like he didn't have it in his head where, oh, uh, how are you going to bench me? And, and now i got to go look for somewhere else to play. No, he didn't have that mentality. But he finished out the year, transferred to Oklahoma. And now he's with another uh, uh, offensive-minded coach in Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. And I, to me, I just feel like you're getting the best out of Jalen in this offensive system that Lincoln Riley has in place here. Man, this game started horrible. Horrible for Oklahoma. I, I believe um, in their first five possessions, they had a... Um, their first five possessions, they had a field goal. Then they had a punt, a fumble, an interception. Then they had a touchdown. It was bad. Horrible. To the point where at the half, Baylor was leading them 31-10. to 10. Yeah. 31-10. to 10. Now, if you're watching the game and you see it at halftime, 31-10. They're playing like the Cowboys. You cannot compare OU to the Cowboys. I'm a, I'm just gonna pretend that like you didn't say that, bro. But anyway, I'm just saying they were digging a hole for themselves in the oh, first yeah. half. They're they're you know yeah the whole turnovers yeah they're, it was bad you know, they, horrible horrible lead well, the worst way you can start yeah the most the most horrible way you can start uh, thirty one I think that was the by far one of the worst starts for Jalen at OU he ne- normally doesn't start this way. And it was just bad. And, and at that point, and when watching college football, at that point, I, I I think they're gonna lose. You would think it would lose. So you probably people may turn off the game or switch to another game, whatever. But nah, man, this dude right here, he has some strong shoulders because he had to carry the team and and pull it out. And can you believe Oklahoma beat ended up beating Baylor thirty four to thirty one, outscoring them. 24 to nothing in the second half. 24 to nothing. They outscored him. They outplayed him. Jalen ended up, he was 30 for 42 for catch attempts, 297 yards, four touchdowns. Look, one interception and three fumbles. Those came in the first, in the first, um, in the first half. Uh, One of the fumbles came in the second half, though. Uh, he had a 64 QBR just because how bad of a start they had. He had 27 carries for 114 yards. He averaged at least 4.2 yards per carry. He put the team on his back, pretty much put it on his back. One of the most gut-felt plays that they had was when they went 11 plays for 51 yards, and he fumbles it. At the end zone, like literally at the one-yard line, he fumbles the ball. He stretches the ball out, try to get the ball across the line. Somebody swats the ball out of his arm, and it falls. And it's a, uh, it's a, a turnover. 
And if that doesn't happen, they're not scratching and crawling out trying to get trying to get back in the game. They would actually be leading the game and have a pretty comfortable lead. But that's not what happened. You know, the the Baylor quarterback was doing his thing. I'm not going to lie. First half, he was balling. He ended up with 18 for 29 catch attempts, 194 yards. He had two touchdowns, one interception. He averaged 6.7 yards per attempt. Baylor rushed for 113 yards on 29 on 23 carries. Also, 194 yards for 18 receptions. So they were doing they were doing their thing. They were staying in the game. Yeah, they were doing real good in the first yeah, half. Yeah, they were staying in the game. It's not like they were out of it. But coming in the second half, you didn't think they were not going to score any points. They got shut down. Yeah, completely, completely shut down. You would think they would. They had started. 31 they scored 31 points in the first half you would just think they would keep that momentum going but they scored no points in the second half Jalen Hurts dismantled them running plays throwing the ball he was just the 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 way he uh was the general out there on that field was just you would think he I wouldn't say he cemented it because some people may say well why were you in the hole in the first place you know what I mean but just the heroics it took for you to dig a hole that deep and dig yourself out of it and crawl your way into a victory the way it just looked. If you were, if you look at the score, you would think, oh, it was a close game, you know, back and forth, back and forth. No, this was a completely battle-tested. It tested the will and the strength of Jalen Hurts. I think this might have been his best game that he's played thus far. His best and his worst game. Let's put it at, at that. It was his best and worst game. And now Baylor are 9-1 team. Also Oklahoma's 9-1. So what does this do for Oklahoma? Does it does it um, boost their, their rank? You know, they were ranked number 10 in the college football playoff rankings coming into the game. And now you beat uh, undefeated Baylor. Do you, I believe, and this is my opinion, the, the rankings come out tomorrow on Tuesday. I believe that Oklahoma should go at least, at least seventh. Seventh in the, in the rankings just because of the, the magnitude of the game. The, just the overall soap opera that happened that day in Waco. I just think it was one of the best games in college football on Saturday. Period. One, I mean, I know uh, uh, Georgia was playing Auburn that game, but it didn't have drama like this. This was just out of this world. So I think they should be going up. I think Oklahoma needs to be Baylor's biggest fan and hope they don't lose again. That way that win carries weight. You know what I mean? Um, Baylor plays Texas next week in Waco. And me being the Texas fan that I am, I believe they lose that game. Not Texas, but Baylor. I believe Baylor loses that game just because I believe in Sam Allinger and the Texas quarterback. He's doing one of the same things that that um, that Jalen is doing, which is carrying the team due to the uh, due to the fact of all the injuries that he has on his team, on his defense, offense. He's just been battle tested with, with injuries left and right. Him having to carry the whole load and the wins he's pulled out 
it's it's been a lot. It's taking a toll on him, I believe, uh, going into the back half of the season. And then you got a Baylor team that you got to play in Waco, coming off a loss to Oklahoma. They're not going to be easy. They're going to come out and they're coming coming out swinging. So I believe it's going to be a very tough game. I still believe Texas pulls it off. That could be my Texas bias speaking. But if they pull it off, then I guess I'll just go ahead and become a Texas fan this year. Hey, do what you want, but Texas is a they're a good team, in my opinion. I mean, it may it not be the the record may not show that, but I've seen what they can do. And next year, when everybody comes back healthy, you're gonna see a different Texas team for sure. Last year, we got to participate in the Big Twelve Championship. We went on and we played in the Sugar Bowl. Um, we we won the Red River Showdown. So you know, we had a a, a big season and, and a lot to look forward to. This season, we don't have as much as many wins. We don't have a lot to look forward to. Big Twelve Championship looks more unlikely than than likely for us. Uh, the um, our ranking has gone down. It's just we are what we are at this point. But nine and one, Oklahoma is now tied with Alabama, Penn State. Um, there's a lot of nine and one teams now. You got to decide what team you want to put in. You could only choose four, and for sure it's going to be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and now you got to fight for that fourth spot. It's up and down. You got Georgia in there. I have a feeling Georgia. I don't know about Georgia. Me, they don't convince me, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. Tuesday, tomorrow, the rankings come out. So we'll yeah. see what happens. All right, moving forward. Deontay Wilder, Luis Reese. Correction, Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz. Correction, correction. And, and Deontay Wilder. today. Deontay Water is a knockout artist, undefeated, WBC champ, WBC heavyweight champion of the world. Louis, this is part two. They fought already before, and and Deontay Water beat him. There's a lot of there's a lot of factors to that first fight. Yeah, Deontay Water ended up with the with the victory at the end, and went on to fight Tyson Fury or whatever. But Luis Ortiz is not a scrub. He's 40, at least he's been saying he's 40 for years. I think he's the the Morgan Freeman of boxing. He's been this age for years, but he's a tough dude, comes out of the Cuban style of boxing. He is uh, he's the real deal. A lot of people avoid fighting Luis Ortiz just because of his, his ring intelligence, his ring IQ. That fight... Me personally, just looking at the two fighters, I believe Luis Ortiz is the better boxer. Overall, top to bottom, everything better than, than Deontay Wilder. To me, Deontay Wilder's not a good fighter. I mean, he's not a good boxer. And that's just me. The only thing that Deontay Wilder has is that power, that right hand. If he lands that right hand, good luck. But Luis Ortiz has enough Enough in his arsenal to disrupt everything that Deontay Wilder uh, throws at him. I believe you got to watch out definitely for that right hand. You should not sleep on that right hand. Do not let him touch you with it. 
You're going to get touched regardless, though. Yeah. He's too long, powerful for you not to get touched, but can you stop him? He almost stopped him in the eighth round of the first fight. So there's a lot of controversy with that. I believe they shouldn't have done what they did. I think uh, he said uh, it was two seconds. He said, "What is what? What difference is two seconds? And to me recovering, how can I recover in two seconds? Two seconds is a lot because if you're fighting for I don't know how many milliseconds or for when um, when Tyson Fury was on the ground and technically got up, I believe he got up in time. Miss me with all that count." Uh, drama, but I believe he he got up in time, so you can see the difference in two what two, what two seconds does in a fight. So two seconds is a it's a difference. Deontay Water was hurt, he was buzzed. I believe if those two seconds don't happen, it gives the opportunity for Luis Ortiz to charge Deontay Water into the ropes and start landing haymakers, what he pretty much was gonna do. But it took his momentum because you have to check. You have to put him to the side. The doctor has to come in and check him. And then you got to go back to the to a neutral corner, look at each fighter, stop, ready, go, boom. And you would have already caused more than two seconds. So, me personally, I'm taking Luis Ortiz. Uh, I like I like Luis Ortiz. Yeah, Luis Ortiz, King Kong. Yeah, I like, I like his style. And he's definitely a fighter. But... I don't know if he could pull it off, you know. Yes. I want to say he 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 went down pretty pretty good. No, if he hits you, if he connects yeah, you, I you're going down. Yeah, I want to say he got dominated, like, well, dominated the whole fight to me. You okay. saw a fight coming out of the Ortiz. Yeah. But I, I feel like the whole the whole fight, Wilder had control. Do you he, think? He, he, I think his reach helps him so much. That's a fact, but he doesn't. He's not a good jabber. Like he can't use his jab. But like he that. could keep him away till he could hit him like right. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, and like, that's and Ortiz just he's 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 King Kong. Yeah, he's a he's a fighter. He's a fighter that wants that likes to come inside. Yeah, gets you to the body, gets you up top. He'll throw you off your game. Movement is more of his thing. Movement making it hard for you to throw. So if you're if Deontay Water is an an orthodox fighter, a right-handed, he wants to move to your right. That way you can't shoot that right hand. That way, Now you got to force to uh, move in certain directions to get you out of rhythm. He's not going to let you stay in place and get you in a, in a perfect position for you to throw that right hand. He's going to make it hard for you. And now he's in way better shape. If you look at his pictures from when he was in, when he fought the first time to where he is now, way better shape. Uh, they have uh, top elite strength and conditioning now in his camp. He's on a better diet. Uh, he already had the skills. He was just maybe a little bit more out of shape yeah. before, but now he's in shape. Whether that helps him or not, you know, that may we'll we'll see it on the fight because sometimes you don't want to be too small. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Especially at a heavyweight uh, title fight and with the power that he brings, Deontay Wilder. You may want to be more bigger than smaller. Yeah. But, so you're taking Deontay Wilder. I am. You're taking Deontay Wilder. I, I, mean, want, I want to say he takes it again, and I want to say it's going to be a knockout. And I want to say it's going to be at an earlier round. Earlier than the, I think the last one was like at the 11th. I think it was the 11th. Yeah. But to me personally, I like Deontay. I think he's a cool guy. 
he he is a, I want to say he's a God-fearing man. He's a family man. Uh, he's everything and anything you would want in in a, in a man. You know what I'm saying? He cool dude. He quick side note. He's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Okay. So, you know what that means. Yeah. So, he uh, he he's just an overall good dude, but I just don't think he's a good boxer. He started very late. I just think that power helps him so much. Helps him so much to dominate. I, and I can't hate on that. Yeah, I can't hate. I mean, if you have power in the heavyweight division, that's what it comes down to. They may be swinging slow, and you think they're out of shape, but when they connect, good luck. Because that, that's power. That's power coming from a 200-plus pound man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't be mad at people who take Deontay Wilder. He has more fans, I would say, than Luis Ortiz. Uh, he's the more popular guy. He's more uh, high in demand than Luis Ortiz. But so was Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua was higher in demand. He was the more popular guy. He was the most sought-after guy. And Andy Reese came and lit that ass up. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm gonna take Luis Ortiz. I'm gonna let him hang one time, and I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Luis Ortiz just because I believe he's the better boxer. He carries power. I like his I like his uh, foot movement, and I'm just hoping that he pulls off the upset and and beats Deontay Wilder. Just because I believe once you lose one time, because he's undefeated, you lose one time. I think it hum it humbles you to a certain extent because that hungerness and that's one thing about Deontay Wilder he does not run from anybody he's not like other fighters out here that get a belt and just believe they're just top dogs and shot callers and all that Deontay Wilder is willing to fight everybody and anybody yeah so it, I mean Deontay Wilder has never ran ducked nobody he's fought Luis Ortiz one of the most uh, ducked fighters and. Um, avoided fighters in the heavyweight division. He fought Tyson Fury, one of the most awkward fighters in the division, undefeated as well. He just needs to fight Anthony Joshua, but uh, that's in the near future. Andy Ruiz, those fights will happen with Deontay Wilder. That's one thing that I do like about him. I just don't believe he's better. He's a better boxer than Luis Ortiz. He could catch him with one. It maybe, could be lights out. Yeah, maybe not a better boxer, but he's definitely a fighter. Yeah, he's. But like I've always said, a good bo a good boxer will always beat a good fighter. So well, not not it has he hasn't lost yet. No, he hasn't lost. So what he's doing has been working for him. Yeah, and I want to say, I hope he keeps working. With, I like watching him fight. Yeah, he's he's he, a he's a he puts on a good fight. Yeah, he's a he's a show. He's a good entertainer. He puts on a show. So, I can't be mad at that. I mean, Deontay Wilder, uh, November 23rd. Yeah, November 23rd on pay-per-view. So, should be a good one. Good one for the books. Good one for the heavyweight division. Haven't seen a, a, a top competitive heavyweight fight since, I believe, Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua. Um, so, should be a good one. And I look forward to watching it. And we'll be back here and we'll be discussing yeah, we will. the the outcome of the fight for sure. All right. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on to uh, – I don't even know why he's fighting. but You don't know why he's fighting? Yeah, this boy, uh, Chavez. 
I'm gonna keep that uh, nickname I have for him uh, to myself, Chavez Jr. and uh, Daniel Jacobs. Yeah, Daniel Jacobs. It was announced that that uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. will be fighting Danny Jacobs on December twentieth of twenty nineteen. This is a. Uh, let me ask you before I tell you my input. Do you believe this is a competitive fight? No. You don't think so? You give him no credit. Nah. Well, let me explain a little something. This I believe is it is, and the reason why I say it is is because Danny Jacobs is moving from 160 pounds to 168 pounds. Um, and this is his first fight at 168 pounds. So a, a new division is always something different, new territory for a a, a new fighter going up in weight. And now the a decent test for him is throwing in a guy like Cooler says or Travis Jr. That is in and out, um, inconsistent, but he, when he wants to turn it on, he can turn it on, you know what I mean? But it's been a long time since he's turned it on and been dedicated, motivated, disciplined to train, you know, take it serious and, and make something of yourself in the boxing community and in the sport, leave a legacy your dad already left his legacy. That doesn't mean you get to live off of his, yeah. which to me, I feel like he has been living off of his legacy because just of the name he carries. If his name was Ramon Chavez, it wouldn't carry the same weight. It's just his name carries carries weight because of his dad. Now he's training with Freddie Roach. Uh, and I believe, to me, sometimes I feel like Freddie Roach doesn't pick up a fighter if he doesn't believe his worth, you know what I mean? If if you're not worth my time, because Freddie Roach has a lot of fighters, he could be training anybody, and especially a guy like Chavez Jr. to be fighting, to be training. I think it says a lot of in what Freddie believes in Julio Cesar Chavez uh, Jr., but if I were to put my money on it, I would take Danny Jacobs, just because you never know what you're going to get from Chavez. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. And Danny Jacobs doesn't necessarily have that problem. He's dedicated, motivated, disciplined. And it's just the fact that he's moving up in weight. But I like I like this fight, to be honest. And another thing, on this undercard, Luke Campbell, coming off a loss to Lomachenko, is going to be on this card. Uh, Maurice Hooker saw mm-hmm. him lose to Jose Ramirez here in Dallas. He's going to be on this card. Okay. You know, Maurice Hooker moving from 140 pounds to 147 pounds. Uh, having the same thing, moving up in weight, having his first tune-up in, in a new division. Should be good to watch. Uh, Luke Campbell is, is an, an amazing talent from the U.K. I think he's solid. He gave Lomachenko a good fight, 12 rounds. He's given multiple fighters uh, a good good fights. So I believe he's a, another guy that is to look out for in that division. Maybe a fight with Tank Davis. You know what I'm saying? Could happen. Javante Davis against Luke Campbell, or or Devin Haney against Luke Campbell. You know that's something you can look forward to. Just saying, if Luke Campbell ends up getting this win, but I I believe it's a good fight for sure. Um, speaking 
of fights. Fights cause injuries. Injuries get you out of keep you out of games. This week we saw Tua Tagovailoa take a hit. Damn. So he's out for the season. Out for the season, which is kind of crazy because if you look at the footage during the game, um, you can see Tua running to Coach Saban and telling him, "Keep me in the game." Like they were supposed to take him out. They were supposed to take him out, and and he uh, and and I guess Coach Saban just sometimes you you listen to your gut, you go with your gut, or sometimes you just let him play. He let him play. He got hurt. He he had a a rib injury, uh, a hip injury. Hip. Yeah. yeah, a hip injury. Saw today that he he had surgery successfully. He was happy, dancing. Um, looked like he it, it was perfectly fine now, but for sure he's out for the season. He would not be playing. The team would not. I don't. To me, I don't think an Alabama team does not look the same if it's not two behind. Um, getting snapping, getting the ball. But yeah, this definitely hurt them. Yeah, it's gonna hurt them. But you know, we'll see what they do on moving forward. Uh, so hopefully, Tua makes a speedy recovery, and maybe no word yet. But I believe he declares for the draft now, because I for sure believe he's coming out. But I want to get your last thought before we get out of here on on the Astros. Astros. You know they've been a lot of controversy going on right there. Yeah, for sure. They've been accused of cheating on their 2017 uh, postseason series and in the World Series. From what I've seen and what I've read, it's been it's been said that they were stealing signs uh, from from the dugout. They actually placed a camera on center field. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, they put a camera so they can steal the signs. And and when it was a certain pitch, I want to say it was a... Uh, I don't want to say because I don't want to misquote what they said. On certain pitches, it, they would bang a trash can. And when they would hear the trash can, they wouldn't swing on certain pitches. Uh, they knew what was coming. Um, so right now the they are being investigated, which is AJ Hinch, which is the coach for the Astros, Alex Cora, which is the Boston Red Sox coach now, which was the bench coach at the time for the Astros when they won the World Series, and Carlos Beltran, which is now the the New York Mets coach, but he was a player. At the time, and from what I've hear, from what I've heard, um, the the ones that actually came up with this idea was Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran. So what do you do? You know, they're they're deciding whether to. They're still being investigated, so there's no there's no uh, disciplinary actions going on as of yet, but. You know, there's rumblings around saying they may get suspended. Now, if you suspend, what are you going to suspend the manager? You're going to suspend the manager for like 80 plus games. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, Carlos Beltran just got the Mets job this offseason. So, how are you going to coach a new team? And you, your first action is you get suspended. So, I don't know how that's going to happen. That's in in the, in the process. They're going to for sure find 
the Houston Astros. They will be fine. They probably will lose draft picks because of this. I just don't know whether they're going to take away. I don't believe they'll take away their World Series. But that World Series is definitely for sure going to have an asterisk uh, around that 2017 World Series championship. Which is crazy because that's the only one they have. And for them to, for it to come down to this, uh, for an organization that's been doing so good and their upside has been tremendous from from going from one of the worst teams in baseball to drafting the right players and being able to come up and go make a postseason run and become uh, a fairy tale pretty much in a lot of people's eyes in trying to capture that first World Series. And now that World Series is, is being investigated and it's pretty much not being... It's not being um, it's not being valued as much as you would think, and as as much as it was. And when you go to Minute Maid Park, there ha- they have the the gold flag, and it says the year twenty seventeen World Series champions. Now, when you go to Minute Maid Park and you see that flag, you're when you see that flag from now on, you're not gonna think champions. You're gonna think this yeah this is this sad. is tainted this is sad bro. yeah it's tainted their their world series for sure uh you can't blame the players really but i wouldn't say they didn't they didn't know you know obviously they knew when they were hearing that loud bang and if you go on youtube and you youtube astros uh yeah. cheating you will hear the bang there were there is videos of them uh banging on trash cans and picking up uh picking up uh signs and and uh within when when they're at home for sure when they're at home for the home games in that year i believe the yankees lost every single away game when they played the astros so you know everything is pretty much adding up it's still a developing story they're still getting facts together this is not the the end of it but uh what do you think you think they should take away their World Series or... This is tough, bro. I mean... Suspensions? Definitely I mean, fines. The proof is there. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, this and, is... Dang. And this is a reliable source coming out f- with this. I believe it was one of their relief pitchers that threw them under the bus. And and you gave the story to The Athletic, which is one of the biggest uh, uh, sports uh, websites and... and uh, that there is right now Ken Rosenthal one of the biggest MLB insiders in the game if not the biggest and and they ran with the story so it's in pretty legit sources and they're putting out they usually don't put out information or false information unless it's legit you know and I believe they've said that other teams have been caught and been accused of cheating, but they never had somebody to testify and and come out. And this is a guy that was in the team, so that just makes it even worse. Yeah. If the guy is in your own team and he's saying you did this, and now there's proof, there's videos, and there's a lot of evidence out there that's pointing your way, which is not good, can't be good, and nothing good can come out of this. So. 
his it, it'll be interesting to find out the the final the final uh disciplinary action that they will eventually get because I believe they will get one and uh that's just that's just a bad look for the Houston Astros. Yeah. But I'm a Texas Rangers fan, so the more the more chaos there is in that organization, the better for me. The better for us, you know. Because if they're under turmoil and they're the best team in our division, I'm good with that. Absolutely good with that. So yeah. I mean that that was just a rundown of what we thought of all these topics. I mean, you may agree, you may not agree, but that's the whole point of this podcast. This is the We Could Be Wrong podcast. We'll catch y'all next week. All right. Take it easy, man. One love.